Welcome to Lose Yourself with Dr. Mike Cunningham, Bible teacher and church planter in Vineyard, Utah. When we lose ourselves in worldly distractions, we lose our value, purpose, and our passion in exchange for temporal experiences. But Jesus says that whoever would lose their life for his sake will find it. Let's learn what it means to lose yourself with Dr. Mike. Welcome to Lose Yourself. In this episode, we have Dr. Bill Roach with us. He is the president of the International Society of Christian Apologetics. He adjunct professor, has a PhD. We're just really excited to have him here today. And on a personal note, I got to take a class with him recently on his mentor, Norman Geisler. And then we also got a chance to meet at an event, a movie that is coming out that he is part of. And it's just great to have him here. Thank you for joining us, Bill. It's great to be here with you. I'm excited and I'm looking forward to our conversation. Great. Well, before we jump in, can you tell us a little bit about this movie and how you were involved in that? So we met at the premiere of the movie titled Not Qualified, which is a documentary on Norman Geisler. And it's interesting because when you think of the title of the movie, one would off the cuff think, well, that doesn't apply to Dr. Geisler because in many respects, he seems like the most qualified apologist that was out there. And that's the spin on it. You know, we all like that with different movies. We like it when the person who shouldn't make it to the World Series makes it to the World Series. And in this regard, Dr. Geisler was preeminently not qualified. Mm. And he would even admit that. And some of the things the movie discusses is the fact that he didn't come from a college-educated home. He wasn't born with a Greek New Testament in his right hand. (laughs) But but he was available and God used him and qualified him for the sake of ministry. And I think that's the most important part of the entire movie is that it's an encouragement to us to see what God can do with somebody who's not qualified and how he qualifies them for the sake of ministry. Wow, that's powerful. Norman Geisler is in many ways your mentor. How did Norman Geisler help qualify you? Well, in many respects, I think what Dr. Geisler saw was a similarity in myself. And we used to joke with that is that we had some details that were so particular down to the point where not only did we both come from uneducated families in the sense of like college educated in that sense, you know, your typical college professor that's out there. But we had things like that. We grew up in a very similar home environment down to the point where Our mothers didn't allow us to play football at a certain grade in school (laughs) because they were afraid that we were going to get hurt. So I think he saw a bit of himself in me in that regard. And he knew that unless somebody helped to work with him, he never would have got to the place where he was at. And I think he extended that same grace to me. And for that, I'm eternally thankful. That's kind of how initially it started out. But for a number of years, I served as his personal assistant, both a teaching assistant but also traveling assistant and writing and research assistant. So some people learn from Dr. Geisler in the classroom. And I learned with him almost in the sense of like the Old Testament Jews would have learned as we are going, as we are discussing this, as we are speaking here, as we are speaking there. And it was really that mentorship discipleship model. I love that because, you know, lose yourself is a call to discipleship. It's really what the the heartbeat of this program is. And it's a heartbeat of searching scripture and growing in faith. And that disciple that makes a disciple that makes a disciple, a mentor that makes an apprentice who makes an apprentice, it's 2000 years running and still has not been beat in my opinion. And so it's beautiful to see how Dr. Geisler implemented that in his relationship with you. 
you know, Dr. Geisler didn't just do that with me. He did that with a whole arsenal of people. And it was because I think he saw that we needed a lot of people for this apologetic battle and age that we're in. You can't just have one person running around with sort of the silver bullet gun. You need a whole army of people running around with that. Right. And Geisler very well knew that his message needed to live beyond him. And I think that's what his discipleship modeled is that, you know, the things that Dr. Geisler taught us, not only do they affect our lives when he was here, but we're continuing his work now. So I would encourage anybody as they look to the life of Dr. Geisler, just realize not all of us are qualified. In fact, if we read the text of scripture, none of us are qualified. Right. But when we're doing discipleship, we want to not only learn the message, but have the message live beyond us. And Geisler modeled that very well. Well, speaking of, so he begat your ministry in some, I mean, to, by pouring into you, now you have your uh, president of International Society of Christian Apologetics. Can you tell us about your ministry? Well, what I do with the International Society of Christian Apologetics is we're kind of a, a meta-apologetics group where we try to bring together people who have apologetics ministries okay. so that they can connect with one another and expand the reach of their ministries. And think of it like this. There are a lot of big names that are out there that do a lot of ministry, but we need more than just a few big names doing ministry. There are people who are in your situation that are out in Provo, and you're literally boots on the ground working with people, and we want to connect you with other people so they can come alongside you, or let's just say the, the reverse of it, they need your specialty, and mm. you can be connected with them, and you can work with them. So we do a lot with that. I also work with another ministry called Gospel of God Ministries, mm. and it's in many respects the application of the International Society of Christian Apologetics. And we are in many ways an apologetic focused open air evangelistic group and we go all awesome. over the country and there's probably about a dozen of us and we'll set up at sporting events and we use apologetics as the means to start the conversation but then we proclaim the gospel right. and we've seen people who have you know had great apologetic encounters some come to faith out there and the reason I do that is because I think we need to have one foot in the academy where we're dealing with the ideas, and we need to have another foot in the real society and what real people are thinking out on the streets. It's humbled me more than anything else mm -hmm. because you realize that you have to learn how to communicate this message to people and develop these arguments with individuals that don't care about your logic they don't care about how persuasive you are. Right. You got to almost be street tough in that sense. And that's what I like about it is that it keeps us real. I love it. it's conversational, it's approachable. And then for the listeners out there maybe thinking, well, what is apologetics anyway? Uh, maybe they're thinking it's about apologizing to people. I mean, what is apologetics? Well, apologetics comes from the Platonic dialogue, the apology, where Socrates was giving this idea of a defense and he was defending himself before the the Republican that because he had charges brought against him. And so the idea of an apologia is a defense. Right. And people offer a defense in a whole variety of means. Mm -hmm. And Christians do it as regarding the Christian faith. We try to offer a rational defense of the Christian faith before the watching world. Now notice it's the fullness of the Christian faith. It's not just a, a minimalism 
We don't want to just have a generic God. We don't want to just have a generically reliable Bible. We don't want to just have a generic Jesus. We're giving them the fullness of the Christian faith. Mm. And we don't get to pick what the battleground is. You know, in one arena, we may be trying to deal with, you know, the, the secular Roman authorities that were coming against the church. And in our age, it's secularism from the outside, and it's in many ways liberal and progressive Christianity on the inside. So we never know where that battlefront's going to come, but we know that wherever it comes, we have to offer a defense. We need to offer an apology to those onlookers. Yeah. First Peter 3.15 says, be able to give an account for the hope that we have. And again, and you have the full compliment. There's, There's many different ways that that comes about, a lot of different battlegrounds, but you know, we have to be ready. And on that note, it's a great transition, Bill, of talking about the Bible represents a sort of a battleground. Uh, There's a lot of interest in maybe disproving, critiquing. Uh, Sometimes the biblical narrative does not give us popular answers to societal questions. And therefore, it's sometimes easier just to get rid of or disparage the message than it is to listen to and apply the message. So my first question is, what would you say if I had a friend or a loved one who says, you read the Bible? That's like a really old book. What could it possibly have to say about the 21st century? I would agree. The Bible is an old book, but I would remind them that the Bible is the place where God has decided to speak to his people. And I don't think people emphasize that enough. You know, in, in days of old, God spoke to us in various ways, but now he's chosen to speak to us in his son in the text of scripture. Mm. And I think a good analogy of it is, is that whenever we try to have a conversation with somebody, especially somebody that we are engaging in this regard, we need to realize sometimes they set the limits and they set the parameters for how that conversation takes place. Mm. For example, I had this friend one time who he came from a construction background and he never had to use a computer. I mean, he had a a drill in one hand, a hammer in the other, and he traveled all over the world working construction. And at one point in time, somebody introduced him to this lady and he, you know, he wanted to start to date her and she wanted to not just talk on the phone. She wanted to use MSN Messenger. You remember that back yeah, in the I day? Do. Messenger old school. Movie. Old school. Well, he didn't, he really wasn't very good at typing. And he was trying to go to seminary and he would peck along. But here's my point on this is that in order to speak to the girl, he had to go to her place of communication, nice. which was MSN Messenger. And that could be today. You have kids that won't answer the phone, but if you send them a text message, what are they going to do? respond back to you. And it's because where the person chooses to communicate is the place that you need to go. So why is the Bible relevant? It's because it's the place God has chosen to reveal himself. It's the place where he's decided to communicate his message. And it's not just about historical truths. It's the truth of salvation that God has given us in the text of Scripture. But the question some people wonder is, well, why the text of Scripture? Mm -hmm. And it's because a written form of communication is an objective communication. Okay. It's something that can be cross-cultural in communication. It's something that can be an enduring form of communication. You know, whenever we try to go even to something as simple as the grocery store, if my wife rattles off a list of things to me, I'm going to forget. But if she happens to write it down, 
the odds are pretty good. Right. I'm going to come back with everything that's on that list. Why? Because a written form of communication is a superior form of communication. And in the text of scripture, the written form, the written word of God, where God has chosen to reveal and speak to his people. What do you think people's hardest part of accepting scripture, the biblical canon? You know, I think today when it comes to looking at the text of scripture, there have been different eras. There was one era that said, well, the Bible's not true. So I don't believe it because what it claims is false. And in many respects, we've disproven those claims. You know, whenever somebody would just deny a historical figure or say that there's a contradiction in the Bible, we have shown through adequate research, through archaeological evidence or the historical testimony and the internal consistency of Scripture, that when God speaks in the text of Scripture, he speaks true words. Now, obviously, you have people that are going to deny that, but it's not as though the answers aren't there. So that's one era of thought, one battle for the Bible. Today, what I'm starting to find is a different twist. People realize the Bible has a message and that it makes specific claims. And people aren't denying that the Bible makes those claims. They're just now advocating that those claims are morally inferior Mm. or that they're just flat out wrong. So what we're having to do now is change our apologetic from well, yes, there was a real person of Jesus or Paul or some Old Testament figure to no, the Bible doesn't give us a morally reprehensible view of human sexuality or human ethics in that regard. So again, the apologetic has changed, but we could summarize it in this sense. The person's key objection to the Bible is that they have a moral objection to the Bible. They hate what it claims, which it's not only that they hate the claims, they hate the claim giver, which is God himself. They're rejecting God's standards. We're seeing Romans 1 worked out in that regard. We're out of time, but we'll pick up this conversation on our next episode. This has been Lose Yourself. For more information about Mike and his ministry, check out his blog at loseyourself.life. Until next time, make it your ambition to lose yourself to Christ. Lose Yourself is a ministry of Grace Church and Mike Cunningham and a production of Key Radio.